the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar. Book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Friday right here on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show tonight up until 6.10. Then we give way to Red Sox baseball. Sox taking on the Cardinals in the start of a weekend series. Adam Wainwright against Michael Waka. First pitch is 7.10. No guess. We're just going to run through pretty much almost commercial free until 6.10. We're pretty much going to talk solely about the Celtics. We'll give you our C's eulogy. We'll take your comments on the Celtics in the end of their season as well. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line at 802-585-3026. You are locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also get in on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or on my Twitter account as well. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. 321 to go. Fourth quarter. Wiggins into Curry. He's open. Waits for the traffic to fly by. Shoots the three. Knocks it down. Puts his hands to his temple to say, we're putting you to sleep here in game six. Marcus Smart went down, bent over at the waist. Might have got hit below the belt. Curry's got 30. Golden State up 15 with three minutes to go. Yeah, the Celtics would fall by 13. Warriors win 103-90, to and the Celtics' season is over. It ends in six games in the NBA Finals. And look, I said Warriors in six at the beginning. I didn't want to be right, but I was. It played out maybe a little differently than I thought, but at the end of the day, I thought the Warriors would win it in six. The Warriors showed their depth. Steph was great. Clay had moments where he was great. Jordan Poole had moments where he was great. Draymond hit double figures last night. Andrew Wiggins was awesome. There was just too much depth for the Celtics to overcome. And then when you couple that with all the Celtics' miscues, that is where the title gets won and lost. And I would like a personal apology from Virginia and Starksboro, who called me an idiot the other day, called me something to the effect of a freaking moron, and said there was no way the Celtics would lose in six games, and there was no way they wouldn't at least force a game seven. Again, I don't want to be right. I take no joy in being right for getting Warriors in six. But I do take joy when Virginia and Starksboro tells me I'm a moron that I was right. So she can apologize to me directly. And then we can all pour one out for the Celtics together. 802-585-3026. I want your thoughts on the Celtics. I got a great, really lengthy email today from a former college basketball coach who lives in Vermont talking to me all about the Celtics issues. And that was awesome. I enjoyed reading that, appreciated your perspective, and I want all your perspectives on this. For me, what hurts about this for the Celtics is not just that it's over. That's always going to hurt. The finality of it is going to hurt, but it hurts more because it's over 
And I'm really still not sure that the Warriors were, in fact, the better team. They may be the better unit, but in terms of talent, I still don't know if they are better than the Celtics. So even as it's over, I sit here and I think the Celtics could beat that team. And a lot of times when a series ends, you're like, you just tip your cap because you know that the other team was better. I I don't know if that was the case here. The Warriors played better. The Warriors are a cohesive unit. I'm not taking anything away from them. But I do sit here and wonder today, I'm like, was that team really better than the Boston Celtics? And I don't know if that's the case. They played better. They lived up to the moment better. We talked a lot about the moment yesterday. They held their poise better. So they did things that were better. But talent-wise... I still don't know if that team is actually better. Like if Tatum had been more efficient, if Brown had had a better game five, if the bench did a little bit of this, I can, I can piece together a Celtics win in my head, but now all it comes down to is the off season. It hurts because I, I don't think it's that the Celtics didn't have the pieces. They did, but it hurts because those pieces just didn't get it done. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, and St. Albans. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I have to admit today, for the first time, I'm going to say this for the first time. Last night, the Celtics did not look ready. We talked yesterday about if they were ready for the moment. And I told you I thought they were. I told you that I thought mentally they had the capacity and the fortitude. I thought they could respond. I trusted that they would be ready. I thought they had one more at least great run in them. But last night, for the first time in my book, the Boston Celtics looked overwhelmed. They looked both overwhelmed and out of gas. Last night, the Celtics, for the first time, didn't have a response. They were up 12 to 2 in the first quarter and things looked great. But then the onslaught of Warriors threes came and with it came the Celtics playing iso ball, the Celtics playing hero ball, the Celtics turning the ball over, and the Celtics showed a lack of poise and a lack of composure. Golden State turned a nice run into a huge avalanche and the Celtics looked like a deer in the headlights. And I haven't felt that way. There's been games where I thought they were just beaten. There's been games where I thought they gave it away. And yesterday, sans the first eight minutes or so, they looked like they didn't belong on the floor. And that's a disappointing way for this season to end. Yesterday, I thought the Celtics weren't ready for the moment. I thought they had been ready for it. I thought they had an answer for anything all postseason. And last night they didn't. Last night they caved. Last night they wilted. Last night they didn't show the resiliency they had shown since January and the resiliency they had shown in the playoffs. So it was Megan Adelini of WEEI who earlier this week said the Celtics don't look ready. I criticized that yesterday and said they are ready. They just haven't played great yet. Well, yesterday they did not look ready. One issue begat another and it snowballed, and it all went downhill. The Celtics are a good team. They are a good team that had a horrible night, 
And for the first time yesterday, I think they showed their lack of experience. At 12-2, the Warriors knew they just needed to weather the storm. The Celtics were unable to weather the Warriors' storm. The Warriors knew how to handle emotions. They didn't panic. The Celtics did. The Celtics panicked last night. You could see as the avalanche was coming, the Celtics felt like they had nowhere to turn. Dribbling in the crowds, dribbling off their feet, several turnovers again last night. The Celtics are a team full of young veterans. They do have experience, but not on this stage. And for a long time, I didn't think that that lack of experience mattered. I thought they had been through enough and navigated enough that they could overcome a lack of pure finals experience. But in the end, they couldn't overcome that. In the end, they could not overcome that. And as a result, the Celtics season is over. And it's very disappointing. It is very disappointing to see the Celtics season end in the way that it did. And also, for the first time, I have to really give Jason Tatum a bad report card. I have defended him against a lot of slander from media members, against the Colin Cowherds of the world, the WEEIs of the world. I think Jason Tatum has played a lot better than people will give him credit for. But yesterday, last night, was not good. There is no defending last night. I think we should separate last night from the rest of the playoffs when we talk about Tatum. But last night just simply wasn't good. 13 points in total, only two in the second half. He didn't get to the foul line at all. He had five turnovers. Last night, Jason Tatum looked frustrated and Jason Tatum looked lost. I think he'll use this. I think he'll learn. I think he'll get better. I still think he's a superstar, but last night was a terrible night for him on a night when his team needed him the most. We kept waiting. We kept asking for Jason Tatum to seize the moment. And last night he had, I thought, when he hit the three to go up 12-2, I thought that that was going to be him seizing game six, and it just never happened. It just never happened. Again, I think you have to be really disciplined in the way you talk about Tatum. You can separate game six from the rest of the playoffs. You can separate the finals from the rest of the playoffs. But you, if you are out here saying today that Jason Tatum sucks, which I have seen, if you're saying that he will never win, which I have seen, and if you are saying that he is not a superstar, which I have seen people wonder, I have no time for you. I have no time for you. If, you, if your takeaway today is that Jason Tatum is horrible at basketball and the Celtics need to get rid of him, then I have no time for you. Winning a championship is very, very hard. Winning a championship as a team's best player when all the focal points are on you, that is also very, very hard. And last night, we were all reminded of that. Now, I think that I and we collectively, we thought it was going to be easy because of how easy January through May looked for this team. But last night was a stark reminder, it is not easy to win a championship in professional sports. I saw a great quote today on social media in which a former NFL player said, you have to become the nail before you can become the hammer. 
every star had to get their backside whooped in order to become that guy. That is what I hope is the case for Jason Tatum. It is not easy. It is not supposed to be easy. And we think that it's easier than it really is. Jason Tatum is 24 years old. Did you realize that LeBron James got swept in his first finals at 22? And by the way, LeBron's numbers were comparable or worse in most regards to Jason Tatum's. You think Jason Tatum had a ton of turnovers, right? LeBron had as many turnovers in his first finals as Tatum did while playing two less games. LeBron averaged 22 points a game. That's exactly what Tatum averaged, 21.6. LeBron James may be the greatest player of all time. He's in most people's top two. He got swept in his first NBA Finals. Jason Tatum didn't. Michael Jordan failed to win a playoff series for his first three years, and he got swept twice. We thought that it was going to be easy because of how easy it had looked for a long time. Last night was a reminder, it is not easy. If you are hammering Tatum today, I want you to go back and look at history and just see how guys did in their first finals. James Harden had 12 points a game in his first finals. Kobe was okay in his first finals, but he had Shaq to lean on. Dwayne Wade had Shaq to lean on. Guys either had, young guys either had, Stars they could latch on to who could carry them, or young guys just out and out flopped. If you think Tatum flopped, then he's just one of those guys. This happens. We wish it didn't. I'm not trying to out and out make excuses, but now that the season is over, I'm trying to look at it rationally. Jason Tatum was awful yesterday. Jason Tatum had moments in these finals where he was awful. By and large, for these playoffs, he was excellent. And the bad performances in the finals do not overshadow that. And please go look at everybody else, how they did in their first finals and the circumstances that they had. I think we all agree. Luka Doncic is a stud, right? Luka is a stud. Luka is my favorite player in the NBA. I love Luka more than I love Tatum. He couldn't get past this Warriors team. Luka lost to this world to this Warriors team in five games. He had three games in that series shooting under 40% against them. Luka is a trend is a transformative talent. He is a superstar in this league. He couldn't get to a sixth game against the Warriors. It's not easy. It is not easy. We all love Luka. No one's going to kick Luka out of club superstar. He lost to this team in five games. You can't kick Tatum out of sub superstar, out of club superstar as well. Criticize Tatum for playing poorly last night all you want, but recognize, please, the amount of good that he did. You can't revoke the superstar status because of a few bad moments or a few bad games. Jason Tatum led the playoffs overall in points. He led the playoffs overall in assists. He was the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. He was the youngest player ever in NBA history 
to get 600 points, 100 rebounds, and 100 assists in the playoffs. He knocked out Kevin Durant. He knocked out Giannis. He knocked out Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. He had 46 points on the road in a game six facing elimination against Milwaukee. He had 13 assists in his finals debut. He won two game sevens. Don't let last night overshadow all of that. I had given Tatum largely a pass for bad performances. Last night, we can't give him a pass. But that does not mean that Tatum is useless garbage like a lot of you on social media seem to think. That is just not the case. And I will not be here for total Jason Tatum slander. Absolutely not going to tolerate that. And I saw an amazing stat last night on Tatum while we're at it. Jason Tatum, over the course of the season, played the equivalent of 21 more games than Steph Curry. That is how many minutes Jason Tatum played more than Steph Curry. 21 full games more worth of minutes. He played more than 15 games more minutes than his teammate Jalen Brown. I will not use him being tired as an excuse But it was pretty clear that between his season-long workload, the long playoffs, and the Olympics that he played in prior to the season, he was gassed. So I encourage you to have an open dialogue about Jason Tatum and understand that multiple things can be true. He's still a superstar. He gave a superstar effort in most of the playoffs, accomplished a lot, and last night he flopped and fell short. Last night does not undo everything that he did. Jordan didn't win a playoff game for his first three years. Iverson got to the play, got to the finals one time and won one game. Kevin Durant has gotten to the finals once without Steph, and he got beat four games to one. Jason Tatum at least pushed a sixth game. It does happen. It is hard for young players, and Jason Tatum will get better. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We're going to take a 60-second break. That's it. I told you we're going to go almost commercial-free. Well, 60 seconds. i got to get a word in. I will tell you another reason why last night hurt so much. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Another reason why last night's Celtics loss hurt so much is because there is just no guarantee that you're going to get back. Usually... When a young team gets to the finals or gets to a Super Bowl or gets to a World Series, we assume that that is the opening of a window and a team is just going to keep going back year after year. I use my Seahawks as an example, right? 2011, Russell Wilson's first year, his rookie year. Seahawks go to the playoffs. They win a game in Washington, his first ever playoff game. Then they go to Atlanta and they lose, but it's a close game and it's a shootout with Matt Ryan. I walked away from that season saying, you know what? Yeah, they lost, but they've built something. They've built a foundation. I think this team is going to be back. And I was so, so excited. And you know what? I was right. 
They got to the Super Bowl the next year and won it against Denver. They got back to the Super Bowl the year after that against the Patriots. And I was like, you know what? That team set a foundation and then they built from it. And that was a chance that that was a case where that thought process worked. That is always the thought. But that's not always reality. Look at Atlanta. The Hawks got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, went out in the first round this year. The Suns made the finals last year, got knocked out in the second round this year. So what's really hard about last night, what's really hard about this series and the failure to capitalize on the opportunity is that the Celtics aren't guaranteed to be back. See, I promise you, a lot of us are hoping, are, are, are thinking, hey, they got a new coach. They, they did great with that new coach. Next year, they're going to be better. These guys are playing well together. They know his system. They're going to add a little bit in the draft. They're going to add a little bit in free agency, and they're instantly going to be better. And how do you get better than this year? Well, you win the damn thing. That's how a lot of people want to think. But that's not necessarily reality. The Celtics would hurt so bad as they got this close. They weren't able to capitalize, and there is no guarantee. Well, we like to think that they're just given a position at the top, at the head of the class next year. That, that, that isn't true. The Eastern Conference has long been the punching bag of, NBA, of the NBA world, but I think the Eastern Conference is really dangerous. Brooklyn is still formidable. They'll be in the Celtics' way. Milwaukee will get Chris Middleton back, and they'll be in the Celtics' way again. Atlanta should be good. Trey Young, another year. Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, another year. Atlanta should be good. They are rumored to be making big moves potentially in the offseason as well. Atlanta could be back. Cleveland is coming. Miami might make improvements and certainly will get healthier than they were when the Celtics saw them. Philly is still good. So this idea that the Celtics are just gift-wrapped a position next year at the head of the class in the Eastern Conference, it's not reality. It's going to be hard. It was hard this year, and it's going to continue to be hard. So I hope it works out for them like it did for my Seahawks, where you just build something, establish the foundation, and then you just go from there and you grow. But I, I can't sit here honestly and tell you that's the case. Look at the Patriots, right? People assume, a lot of people assume, hey, Mac Jones is in year two. They made the playoffs. They've established something. They're going to be better this year. I don't know that. Look at the rest of the AFC. Look how much better it's got. Look how much harder things have gotten for the Patriots this offseason. I don't know that that won't happen for the Celtics as well. It is not just automatic. The Celtics very well may have a better version of Tatum and Brown next year. They very well may have a healthy Rob Williams next year. They very well may have a better overall team and mindset and draft well and learn from this and all that, and they still may come up short. That is just the way this is. right? I think Milwaukee thought that they were probably better this year than their finals year, and they, got, they went out in the second round. I think the Suns thought they were better this year than last year, and they went out in the second round. You just don't know. So last night hurts because you had a you had a opportunity to secure something great. And now 
you go into an off season and the next and and the season next year where nothing is for certain. Look at the Chicago White Sox right now. Chicago White Sox may have the most talent in the American League. They're one game under 500. Look how many injuries they have. Tim Anderson's been out twice. Lucas Giolito has been out. Michael Kopech has been out. Eloy Jimenez has been out. Luis Robert has been out. Yasmani Grandal has been out. Yohan Moncada has been out. Lance Lynn has been out. Liam Hendricks, their closer, is on the injured list. Top reliever Aaron Bummer is out. Like, I just listed like 11 guys off the top of my head who are key components of their team. Uh, Garrett Crochet, one of the top young lefty relievers, out for the year, Tommy John surgery. You just don't know what the next season is going to bring. That's why you have to capitalize on this season at hand, and the Celtics weren't able to do it. And that is another reason why this all hurts so bad. Um, Ross says... It's a team, not an individualized sport. The Celtics didn't show up to this series, so he's defending Tatum. The Celtics had moments, and Celtics players had moments. What they didn't have is everybody clicking at the same time, right? Marcus Smart would go for 23, and Al Horford would go for six. And then last night, Horford goes for, you know, 13, and Derek White doesn't score. And they get Tatum to get 27, and that's the day Jalen Brown can't buy a bucket. Like, the Celtics had guys have moments, but they didn't have the team all click at once. You look at Golden State, last night, what, 34 from Steph, 18 from Wiggins, 15 from Poole, 12 from Draymond, 12 from Clay. That's a lot of productivity. The Celtics didn't have a game like that beyond game one. Dave in Montpelier says, completely agree with you on all your points tonight, especially the value of veteran experience in the finals Probably the C's stead, uh, stead, most consistent player was Al Horford. And uh, Pete says, uh, I ate a crow sandwich today. I thought the Celtics were going to force game seven. You're right as usual. Who knows what the future will bring? However, if you told the Celtics fans they were going to be two wins for an NBA title in year one with a head coach, they might feel better. Have a great weekend. Look at the Red Sox, right? The Red Sox are proof that you don't know what will happen. Last year, Red Sox had an opportunity at hand. Two wins from the World Series. Right now, they're good. But they're a third wild card team right now. And we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea what's going to happen. Just because you were there once does not mean that you are guaranteed to get back. And that's why the Red Sox loss hurt last year. That's why the Patriots swoon hurt at the end of the year last year. And that is why... Look, the Bruins losing in the Stanley Cup Finals a couple of years ago. Thought they'd get back. Never did. Um, as for what the Celtics need going into next season or going into the offseason, I'm not going to pretend to have the full list of free agents or trade candidates and salary cap stuff here in front of me. If you're asking me what I think the Celtics need, I think they need a point guard that can come off the bench. I'm not going to jettison Marcus Smart. I love Marcus Smart, but I think the Celtics could use a stabilizing guard off the bench who can play good minutes. Someone who can give Marcus Smart a blow. Someone who can keep the ball from having to be dominated by Tatum and Brown, who aren't traditional ball handlers. And someone who isn't looking to score a ton. Like, who can be the Celtics' Chris Paul? Who can be the Celtics' Kyle Lowry? 
Ricky Rubio, a guy who can is a veteran who's been there, who can who can help Marcus Smart at the point guard position, who can keep the ball. Jalen Brown, to me, is not a great ball handler. Jason Tatum is not a traditional ball handler. Who can be a guy who can dominate the ball, put everybody in good positions, and isn't looking to score? Because we've done the Kemba Walker thing where everybody just battles each other. I can't stunt the growth of my young players. I need somebody to aid them. They're going to need their Chris Paul. I don't know if that guy is out there immediately, but we'll see if the Celtics can find him over the course of the offseason. That would be exactly what I think the Celtics need. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Travis says Dan Marino never got back to a Super Bowl. Anyone blaming Tatum today is just a keyboard warrior. No pun intended. That's going to do it for us for this segment, not for the show. I'm going to tell you about the early wake-up call I got this morning, and then we'll get you to the Red Sox. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball comes up four minutes from now. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. We'll give you the lineups here momentarily. I'm going to tell you something cool that happened to me this morning. I got a wake-up call at about 6.55 a.m. I got a call from ESPN Radio in New York City. And ESPN Radio in New York City wanted me to come on their morning show. It's called... Rothenberg and DPA or DPHRO and Rothenberg. Rick DPHRO, the old Islanders goalie, is one of the co-hosts of that, and his partner is Dave Rothenberg. So they wanted me to come on their show in New York City. And uh, pardon me if this sounds like I'm bragging, and I, it probably does, but I thought it was cool that the, sh- the morning show in New York City wanted me to come on today. And that would be the second biggest radio appearance I've ever made in my career. I was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons once uh, earlier this football season talking Patriots. But earlier today, being on uh, DPHO and Rothenberg was the second biggest appearance of my career. So I thought that was very cool. At 645 or so, they woke me up with a text and said, hey, can you come on here in the next hour? Reason being is not to bore you with it, but I have a, a small side job, like a very small side gig where I write about sports media right for barrett sports media which is like a kind of a watchdog of the business nothing crazy i write like one two columns a month well the last one i wrote was on dave rothenberg and so his his team you know the, the show was talking about the article it just came out yesterday and they were having some fun with it so they wanted me to come on and you know be in on the bit of them talking about the article so it was it was a lot of fun i had fun with those guys and maybe we'll get dpatro on this show rothenberg on this show too because uh dpatro no joke dpatro was like my favorite guest and i told them this on the air dpatro is my favorite guest i've ever had on like he absolutely is uh, is awesome, and uh, is one of my favorite people. Text message says uh, you worked with Arnie Spanier. That's a national treasure itself. That's true. I did used to do a show with Arnie, and Arnie never invited me on his national show though. So if he had, then that could have been the biggest show I was ever on. But he never did. So there you go. So I worked with Arnie for four years or so, and I thought we had a great thing going. And uh, he still never invited me on his national show. So. There you go. I had proximity to greatness every day, but I never got invited on the show. These guys invited me on the show. So there you go. So that was my morning this morning, yucking it up with Rick DiPietro and Dave Rothenberg on ESPN Radio in New York. And what else is cool for me is that um, that show 
is on in my hometown in Albany, right? Like ESPN Radio in Albany picks up that show from ESPN in New York. Well, a bunch of my friends were listening in the morning, and they were like, wait, Brady, back on in local airwaves? So a lot of people were like, hey, it was cool to hear you back on in the home market again. So that that was fun for me, a feather in my cap. Sorry if it sounds like I'm bragging, but I wanted. we only had about two minutes worth of time here before we got to get to the Red Sox lineup. So I wanted to tell you my story. Adam Wainwright's five and four with a two eight four for the Cardinals. Michael Walker's four and one with a two three three for the Red Sox. Tommy Edmond leads off at shortstop. Brendan Donovan's at second. Paul Goldschmidt's got sixteen home runs. He plays first. Nolan Arenado's at third. Nolan Gorman, the supercharged rookie, is the DH. Tyler O'Neill's in left. Dylan Carlson in right. Harrison Bader in center. Andrew Kisner is the catcher. Yadi Molina on the IL. Duran in center, Devers at third, Martinez the DH. Bogarts at short, Verdugo in left, Trevor Story at second, Franchi Cordero at first, Christian Vasquez the catcher, and JBJ is the right fielder. He bats ninth. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Father's Day out there to all the dads who listen. Go download the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we'll see you Monday here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV.